Let us now, if you have your Bible, turn to the Gospel of Matthew in God's Word for us this morning. We'll be reading from Matthew chapter 27, and we'll read a few verses, picking up in verse 45. Receive now the word of the Lord. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you for reading uh, that and... uh... What a, what a rich passage of Scripture, and um, uh, we'll dig into that. But before we do, I want to, uh, to turn our attention also to, uh, to our theme verse for this year. It's in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and, and I want to remind us why we've been on this journey throughout the beginning of this year. So uh, if, if you're new, if this is your first Sunday at Covenant, you'll be able to, uh, to catch up on a quick fast-forward so that we could be deeply uh, rooted and prepared to receive this word from Matthew 27. Our theme verse for the year is 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it reads, And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Did you hear that? All of us with unveiled faces uh, see this, this image of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, and then we reflect it out into the world. It call, it's, it's a call to transformation. It's an invitation to be transformed so that our image would be a reflection of the mirror image of God, but all of this begins uh, with the truth that those of us who are in Christ Jesus our Lord have unveiled faces. Uh, There is nothing that divides us or separates us from the glory of the Lord, that that magnificent glory is able to, uh, to, to transform us and then be reflected in us into the world. And so this 
This unveiled faces, this understanding of the glory. That's where we've been, and we've been, we've been rooted in the reality that the glory of the Lord is awesome and powerful and, and, and dangerous, in fact. And, and we have to be uh, a humble stewards of this glory and understand what God uh, is able to do whenever we interact with him. And to understand the imbalance that exists between us as sinful creatures and, and God who is a sinless, righteous God. And, and that in that imbalance is where the danger comes. And that we have, from God, uh, a mediated interaction with the glory of God. And that mediated interaction came through the priest, and it also came through the veil. This veil that uh, was set up uh, to, 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 uh, to, to mediate and mitigate the danger of the glory of the Lord, particularly in the temple worship for the Jewish people. This veil between the most holy place and the people of God. And so we arrive today at, at, at this passage of uh, Matthew 27 and an understanding of what has taken place uh, with the veil and what is now available to us in Christ Jesus. And so I'm really excited to, to gather together around this word. Let's bow for a moment of prayer together. Father God, we come into this space and time uh, thankful for your word, thankful for the opportunity we have to hear from you. Lord, we maybe all too often take for granted the fact that you have a word for us here in your scriptures. Lord, we don't take that for granted this morning. We are collectively humbled that you would see fit to speak to us. That you love us so much, care for us so much, that you provide a word uh, in your scriptures for us that we might know uh, our place and position with you and who you are as a loving God that makes a way. Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see our ears, that we would hear. Open our minds, that we come to know and understand your word, our hearts, that we would feel its power. And I pray, Almighty God, that you would open our hands, that in response we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I find it so fascinating uh, how far things have come with technology. Uh, do you remember the day before TiVo? Like the days of life before TiVo, and now I say TiVo and I already sound dated, Right? Uh, because now it's not just the idea that there's this one application TiVo that could record uh, act, uh, different programs on TV, but now everything's on demand, everything's at our hand, and if, if you wanted to, uh, to talk about something that's happening in real time, you better ask whether or not they've seen it. I mean, think about what it is to, to have a sporting event going on and be recording it at home, and, and, you're, and you're, you're wanting to be sure that no one disturbs that sanctity of a fresh view, and, and, and you're, you're walking in a crowd of people, and you hear them start to talk about the big game, and they're about to uh, break for you, who's going to win? And all of a sudden, you say, no, 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 like you want to be sure that you don't find out 
this, uh, you, you don't want the spoiler for the game. Uh, I don't know if you, you saw, but um, Taylor Swift indeed landed in LAX and is going to make it to the game. By the way, I could have told you three weeks ago Taylor was going to make it to the game. Uh, I, there were concerns that Flight 24 was going to crash as an, a system of the internet, as hundreds of thousands of people are tracking Taylor from Tokyo to LAX and then on to Vegas. God bless us. <laughs> what? The, okay, that's who we are. We need to accept that. That's a cultural phenomenon that we need to be confronted with in order for us to move on to perfection together in Christ. So, you know, but, but look, I could tell you how this game is going to end Travis Kelsey is going to score a touchdown to put the Chiefs up, and Taylor's going to come down on the field, and she's going to cry, and then she's going to kiss him, and it's going to be a moment in American history. Okay? Um, so if you didn't like uh, to find out, uh, if you d don't like to find out about games before, I'm sorry, it just happened. You just found out. That's what's going to happen. Um, and we're all going to wonder if the NFL has become the WWE. Um, oh, oh, and a proposal. Kelsey's going to drop to a knee. Okay, thanks, John. I, I didn't get, yeah, uh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't read the rest of the NFL script on that one. Um, yeah, so... And so I, I, I understand that here today... Uh, in February, uh, as we read Matthew 27 and we read a, a, a Good Friday text, this is a Good Friday text. This is, this is Jesus' death, his, his sacrifice on the cross uh, that, that, that prepares us for Easter. Uh, that, that seems maybe out of order, but, but in reality, that's all of the Christian life as we move through the seasons of our faith calendar. As we prepare uh, for Christmas through Advent, we already know that Jesus was born. And as we begin the season of Lent this Wednesday at Ash Wednesday, and we have this 40-day preparation season heading towards Easter, I know that it might seem as though uh, there's some inappropriate foreshadowing of what is to come for us as we read Matthew 27 today. And yet, I would say that this is the most perfect of moments for us to be confronted yet again with Jesus' sacrifice because it is at that very moment, this moment in preparation for Lent where we're able to be reminded of what our focus is on throughout this season. We are preparing to receive Christ's sacrifice and ultimately his gift of life at Easter. And so we're able to stop and rest here for a moment in Matthew 27 that Jesus died for us. Did you hear that in Matthew 27 verse 50? 
2750, again, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, and it says he gave up his spirit. It's, it's such beautiful language and imagery that's able uh, to resonate for us. He gave up his spirit, and, and along with the giving up of his spirit, the giving up of his physical life, he also is giving of his spirit, the Holy Spirit, releasing it into the world so that the glory of the Lord is now able to be known not only uh, in, in, uh, in the personhood of Jesus, but now in the intimacy each and every one of us have with the Father through the working of the Holy Spirit. He gave up his spirit and gave of his spirit to the world, to you, and to me. And then and it, it's, it's such uh, an interesting moment, and, and I didn't tell Pastor Zach that I was going to do this, so the way that he read the text uh, resonated so powerfully for me because the Holy Spirit aligned those things for us. He was very clear as he read, uh, as, as I am, that at that moment, things changed. In verse 51, if you have your Bibles, you could underline that. Verse 51, it says, at that moment. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. At that moment, the world would never be the same. The, the, the availability of a relationship with God, the intimacy of God, the, the, the glory of the Lord that is now with us changed at that moment. And we, we might want more. Gospel writer Matthew, tell us more. The curtain of the temple was torn in two. You're going to leave it at that? What does that mean? I mean, it seems, to, it seems to, to, to leave us hanging with greater longing for detail and understanding about what it means that at that moment the curtain would be torn. So we're going we're gonna to turn together to, to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9, we, we, were, uh, we spent some time in, in this series in Hebrews chapter 9, but we're going to to turn our attention back there, and we're going to proceed on through this teaching. Beginning in verse 11, we ended at verse 10 lastly, but now we're going to begin at verse 11 and just read through verse 15. And, and all of this, everything that's described in 11 through 15 of Hebrews 9 is all contained in Matthew 27, 51's at that moment. At that moment, let's hear what took place. But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater, more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it's not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place for all, by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls, the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, satisfied them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. 
For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Now, I know that that's a theological treatise, and uh, partway through it, all of you said, okay, I'm going to need some time here. Like, that's like reading Romans. We could preach one sermon per verse of this section of Hebrews. I'm not going to do that all this morning for you. But I am going to walk through a few things at that moment, things that we know happened. At that moment, Jesus uh, is clearly the the great high priest. Verse 11, Jesus is the great high priest. Priest. So now the, the, the mediators, of the, the priests that would enter into the temple on behalf of the people, Jesus entered in on behalf of all people. Not just the people of Israel, on behalf of all people, Jesus entered in. So first, Jesus is the great high priest. Second, in, in verse 12, and this is so critical for us, the, 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 the authority upon which Jesus entered in. It's no longer as was for the priest of old through the blood of animals and through the sacrifice of animals. But rather, Jesus' sacrifice is himself. The blood that is offered is no longer the blood of animals, but it is his own blood. Offered as an atoning sacrifice for all of us. At that moment, as Jesus died, he became the sacrifice that would satisfy the needs of the world. You and I are able to approach because we have a high priest willing to make the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. Then verse 14, verse 14, it says that, that this, this sacrifice that Jesus made was actually an unblemished sacrifice. And I know that that might seem like a nuanced detail that we would just overlook or gloss over, but, but rather it's so very important that Jesus is the sinless lamb, that, uh, that, that we must not get it twisted. Jesus was without sin as he was both fully God and fully man in his, uh, in his uh, personhood of of the Trinity, he is indeed perfect, righteous, sinless, and so he comes as an unblemished sacrifice. That's critical because it reminds us that you and I are not capable of approaching God because we are blemished, we are sinful, and we are unworthy, but Christ, who is absolutely worthy, would offer himself for you and for me the ultimate sacrifice And then finally, verse 15, it gives the purpose statement. Why is all this happening? Why is he the great high priest that enters through self-sacrifice that is an unblemished, holy gift of atonement? Verse 15, it says, he died as a ransom to set us free from our sins. This gift sets us free from our sins, that we are no longer bound to the consequences of our sin, that we're no longer, uh, that we're no longer uh, clearly unworthy before the Lord, but rather we are made worthy through the gift of Christ. This is a 
transformational reality that he died for our sins. What an unbelievable moment in history. What an unbelievable moment when Christ died for you and for me. Devaluation is such an interesting thing. Uh, I know that some of you have calculated that. When you, we go to buy a car, do you want to buy a new car and you drive it off the lot and immediately you lose thousands of dollars? God bless you. Also, devaluation is so interesting with electronics. I mean, uh, you buy a new computer for $2,000 and in five years it's worth less than zero. You have to pay someone to get rid of it. You buy a TV and uh, God, uh, it's, you know, it's a mess. Uh, it's so interesting to watch how things devalue, uh, and it's also interesting to see how the veil devalues in a moment. The veil is of critical importance. It's an ornate tapestry that has significance and purpose for the people of Israel, for all people, that this most holy place would be protected. It is of the highest value because it provides that mediating force between God's power and our vulnerability. And in a moment, in a flash, it is worthless. The veil is worthless, not because it's torn in two, but because Jesus paid the price. That veil, the veil which I showed the picture of uh, at uh, uh, a projection of what it might have looked like, that beautiful, ornate veil is nothing but a filthy rag. Worthy of the trash heap. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, when we, when we read this story through, whenever we see the impact of that moment in history on the world, that the earth shook and that the veil was torn, even the non-believer, even the heathen, even the one that would be willing to, uh, to beat and mock and scorn and crucify Jesus, a very Roman centurion could look on that moment in history and say, surely this man was the son of God. Surely this man, this man that would offer his life was the son of God. And for us to look on that moment in history and say, I believe that as well. I no longer want to be divorced from, separated from God, but I want an intimate relationship with God where God draws near to me and I draw near to him, where he anoints me with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, where his glory is no longer contained, but now it lives and breathes and have its, has its life in me so that I I could then reflect the glory of the, the, the Lord to the world. What a profound invitation that at that moment, you and I were all invited in. This holy of holies that was separate and contained in order for us to be protected is now open for all. The veil 
has been torn. And you are invited in. You are invited into relationship with God in an unfiltered way through the power of the blood of Christ. I want you to be invited today. I'm inviting you. The Lord's inviting you. The Lord's inviting you into a deeper relationship with him. For some of you, you've been walking with the Lord for years, but, but it might seem as though there's still a filter there, as though there's still a veil there, as though the glory of the Lord isn't fully known, as though your encounter with Jesus uh, seems to be restrained or constrained. Uh, that invitation for you is to, to acknowledge that the veil is torn and Jesus is with you, with us. So that invitation for you is, Lord, I surrender. I surrender my whole self to you. For some of you, you've been, you've been observing this Christian uh, faith from a distance. You've been studying it. You've been curious about it. Uh, maybe others around you have been convinced of it, but you have not been convinced. Uh, the invitation for you is, is, do you want to experience freedom in the Lord today? Do you want to experience freedom that comes with understanding that you're no longer bound by the sins of your life, but rather you are set free to live and have your being with God in community with one another? So I'm going to lead us into a time of prayer, and, and, and I, I invite you, wherever you are with your walk with the Lord, if if you want to just kneel before the Lord, if you want to hold your hands open and surrender, if you want to come to the altar in prayer, we're going to spend some time in prayer acknowledging the grand gift of this sacrifice and that Jesus is inviting us deeper at that very moment, at this very moment, at this very moment, Christ is inviting us. Let's not miss a moment. Let's not miss this moment. Let's see what the Lord is doing in our midst. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. We come before you acknowledging the significance of that moment, acknowledging the significance of this moment. With our hearts open, with our hands open, with our physical knees bent or our spiritual knees bent, Lord, we fall before you, O oh God. We fall before you in reverence and in honor. God, that you would that you would come for me I just don't understand it I'm nothing and yet you love me I'm broken and yet and yet you want to fix me 
I'm hurting, and yet you're offering me healing. I know nothing but chaos, and yet you're comforting me. Lord, you invite and you invite us and we respond. You invite us to draw near and so we respond by taking a step towards you, by, by, by drawing near to you and saying, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this extravagant gift of your love. Jesus, thank you for taking on my sin bearing them on your cross dying my death that I might live Father we we receive this gift of life we receive this gift of joy and we come uh, before you in praise and thanksgiving, proclaiming so clearly that this one Jesus is indeed the Son of God. This one Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. We, we collectively cry out to you, O God, renew us, restore us, redeem us, we pray that we might be made one with you, Father, Son, and Spirit, that we might participate in your goodness and in your joy and in your hope and in your love. Lord, you've invited us in and we've responded. We are yours and you are ours. So be it. In Jesus' name we pray.